Welcome to the Parenting in the Middle podcast. I am your host, Kristen Goodman. I am a certified life coach and a mother to three teens and a tween. Do you ever wonder if you're doing this whole mom thing right? Are you pushing too hard or not enough? What does it look like to love your teens yet keep firm boundaries? Did you know that you can do all of this without yelling and feeling frustrated? Here in this podcast, you'll find coaching and communication strategies to help you tackle all of your hardest parenting struggles. These strategies will help you parent with more confidence, peace, and influence. I'm thrilled you're here. Let's go. Hey everyone, how are you? Is it feeling a little more normal where you're at? It does for me. I know I took my kids to the orthodontist, one of my kids to the orthodontist last week, and they only had one couch taped off and they have these massage chairs in the office and they were open and someone was sitting in one. And it was just so nice to see because before they had a lot of this chairs in there taped off. And um, when the pandemic first started, we had to wait in our car. Then we could go in, but we had to sit socially distanced. A lot of the seating was taped off. And now there's only one couch taped off. We went to dinner on Saturday and the waiter said they had 500 people on their books. It was the busiest night they had seen. And that felt good too. It was super busy and lots of people. So it's feeling a little more normal. We'll get there, you guys. All right, today we're talking about how to get your kids to listen. And we're gonna implement some of the tips from one of my favorite parenting books, How to Talk So Your Kids Will Listen and Listen So Kids Will Talk. It's by Adele Faber and Elaine Maslish. And this is one of the books I read when I first started coaching, learning about coaching. And so I utilized the coaching tools that I had learned as I read this book. And it really helped me apply the tools that are in this book. And I really saw some change from it. So I'm excited to share. I'm gonna share six tips, um, the ones that I found that were my favorite with you today. So the first tip is acknowledging feelings. And I talk about acknowledging feelings a lot because it is one of the most important things that we can do with anyone we love, right? But with our kids especially, our kids' day can be filled with all kinds of frustrations and emotionally intense situations. And I think I did a post on Instagram about this where you know that phrase that we say, oh, they just want attention. They're just screaming for attention. They're just acting out for attention. And I had the thought, what if that wasn't a bad thing? What if it was, okay, so let's give them attention. Usually when we say that, it means don't give them attention. Don't encourage this behavior. But I think the most helpful thing we can do is give them the attention that they need, communicate with them, help them learn healthy behavior, how to be emotionally healthier and stronger, give them the attention that they need even when it seems trivial and ridiculous. So that reminded me of this weekend, I got a text from one of my daughters that said, I need new jeans, mine ripped. And this particular daughter of mine has a lot of clothes and she's the one who will always say she needs clothes and that she has nothing to wear. I think this is ridiculous, but I don't say that to her, even though I think it. I don't say that to her because I understand what that feels like. I have a closet full of clothes too, and sometimes I feel like I don't have anything to wear. Sometimes I put something on and I don't like it, and I want new clothes. So I can understand that. It doesn't mean I have to run out and buy her new clothes or feel stressed about her stress. She can keep, keep her stress and figure it out, but I can acknowledge it and say, I understand. I totally know what that's like. I feel that way too sometimes. 
but I know you're going to figure it out. You're going to find something to wear and you're going to look beautiful. Something like that. Just acknowledge whatever it is that they are struggling with, that they are complaining about, throwing a fit about. You can be upset if you want to, but you're going to have to throw your fit in your bedroom. That's an option. However, the older your kids get, they might not just go, oh, okay, I'm going to go cry in my room. They're going to keep yelling or trying to help you, trying to not, they're not really helping. They're trying to get you to understand where they're coming from. And maybe they're doing it in a really rude, obnoxious or loud way. Then you can say, you can be upset about this, but if you continue to yell, then I'm going to go into my room. I'm going to leave this situation. I will not talk to you until we can talk about it calmly. That would be setting a good boundary. A boundary is something you set that you get to control. So a boundary isn't if you continue to yell, you need to go to your room. You can do that. And if your teen goes to their room, then that's a great consequence that will work. But if they don't, and if it's a constant battle, you can set up the boundary as if you're, you can be upset, but if you continue to yell, I'm going to leave the situation and we will have to talk about it later. That's just something to try if you need to do, to do that. So saying sentences like that will help your child to feel understood and free to share with you, which is what we ultimately want. They can talk to us if they want to, or just take comfort in knowing that we understand them. Okay. Number two is engaging cooperation. This is setting your teenager up for success and not failure. So, so many times we just aren't clear and I totally get it. I'm guilty of this. We're not clear with our expectations or we can't find solutions because we're just going by the seat of our pants and then something happens and then we get mad at our kids. So let's use the example of like throwing garbage away. I have one child who I will find candy wrappers all over and I don't understand why she can't just throw them away. I have a candy dish and I bought Easter candy. It, they were um, Reese's peanut butter cup eggs. And so I would always find these Reese's peanut butter wrappers next to the candy dish drove me crazy. So every time I saw a wrapper, I was like, Hey, you need to remember to throw this away. Why do I keep finding wrappers? I would still find wrappers. So that wasn't helpful. Setting your teen up for success would be, for example, like a sticky note, putting a sticky note on the dish saying, throw away your garbage and then having a consequence in place. You know, the next wrapper I see there's going to be a consequence, but our kids are capable and they want to do well. And so if they, the garbage I was finding, they were just forgetting to throw it away. So it wasn't something that I needed to get really upset and angry for, but it was frustrating. And so putting a little note, reminding them to throw away the garbage worked and it set them up for success because I implemented that before they got the candy out of the dish, unwrapped the wrapper, they saw the note and they threw it away. That was something that was helpful. So how can you set your child up for success when you want them to do something? That's something to think about. All right. And then piggybacking onto that, I think it's important to talk about comparison. So the rules you may have might be different from friends rules. And so don't get caught up in the comparison. I remember telling my kids when they would be like, so-and-so's parents don't do that. They don't have that rule. And I would say, do you want to compare rules? Because I know kids who don't have TikTok or Instagram, or I know kids who have to turn in their phone at eight o'clock at night 
So if you want to play the comparing game, we can we can play that game, but it's going to go both ways. So that helped with the comparison. Um, don't feel bad if you don't have the same roles as other people. If things aren't a big deal to you, if you don't need to have the role of um, getting in the fridge late at night, you know, then it's okay. If another mom has a role that they can't get into the fridge and eat after dinner, that's okay. She can have that role. You don't need to feel like you're less than for not having a role that you think you need to have. Be very conscious of the roles that you set and why. How can you have as few roles as possible and still uphold your values and the things that are important to you? I think that's really helpful in just giving our kids the ability to manage themselves, learn skills, but not feel like they are, especially as they get older, not feel like they are being micromanaged, right? All right, number three, alternatives to punishment. So this goes in line with setting your kids up for success, right? And then not setting your kids up for failure so that you're always punishing them. So let's find some alternatives to punishment. I think it's kind of ingrained in us as parents that we must punish our kids in order to teach them. And in this book, as I was reading, it made a lot of sense. It talked about punishment often leads to kids hiding and avoiding help when they need it out of fear that they will get into trouble. They don't want to be punished, so they avoid. They go in secret. They they won't ask for help. And she gives an example of this one of the authors of this book gave an example of her fifth grade son and he was at school with another kid or in his, with his class and another kid accidentally knocked over a snow globe off the teacher's desk and it shattered. Everyone immediately froze and recoiled. I think that's what my kids would do. But the author's fifth grade son jumped up and started picking up all of the glass. And what do you think happened when the teacher walked in? The teacher entered the room. She saw him picking up the glass and thought he was the culprit. She yelled and berated him for being so careless. And so what the author took away from this experience was that when faced with the problem, her kid was the one who reacted instantly to fix it because that's how he was raised. He thought, this is a problem, I'm gonna solve it. He wasn't worried about getting in trouble. The other kids knew they were gonna get in trouble. They recoiled. I'm sure if the teacher came in and asked who had knocked it off, they would have been silent. But without this fear of being judged or punished, how about we teach our kids to fix and find solutions? There was another example, a tragic example, of some 17-year-olds who had a party at a house and there was alcohol there, there was an accident, and a teenager got hurt and injured. No one called the police, and they didn't know how long this child lay there bleeding before the friends finally drove him to the hospital. And so one of the things they had said in this news article was that we pray that young persons, despite possible short-term consequences with their parents, will be more apt to dial 911 if one of them becomes injured or sick, precious moments and precious lives may be at stake. You can imagine the, the fear and the worry in these kids who knew they shouldn't have been drinking alcohol. They were somewhere they shouldn't have been. And then one of them gets injured. So what do we do? And um, they needed to act quickly and they couldn't act quickly because they were worried about getting in trouble. So it's just an interesting way to think about how you teach your children are they worried about punishment or are they trying to find solutions? Can they come to you for help if they need it? 
So if we are training them to expect that our response to their mistakes is to punish them, then we must take a look at how this parenting technique of punishment is working for us. Is it working for you? Of course, it's important to take actions to protect our children. We got to protect our house, our kids. We can absolutely state our values and give choices. We need to protect our children from harm and we need to protect our property from damage. We need to protect ourselves and our relationships. It is possible to give our children a way to fix the problem and make things right without punishing. So how can we do this? I think consequences ahead of time. I think acknowledging feelings and being that safe place for them to come and talk to you, knowing you won't freak out is so helpful. And then always just thinking of the end goal. Even if your child gets punished, a short-term punishment is better than a long-term result that's gonna have a negative effect on their life. So just having continuing conversations about that is so helpful. Encouraging autonomy. This is so important. Autonomy is also known as self-governing. Kids often respond well to choices over commands. And this works for really little kids, and this works also for older kids. So with older kids, it can look like, how did your presentation go? Come and tell me about it when you are in the mood. So often we ask our kids a question and we expect them to want to talk to us right then. It's okay if they don't. And then giving them that, that choice, like you can talk to me now, tell me now, or when you're in the mood to talk, we can, we can talk about this. I love that. Giving them choices. Hey, I need you to go over there. You, this would be for younger kids. You can run over there or hop like a bunny rabbit. When I did this with my younger kids, they would always do the things that I asked them to do because it, it made it fun. And so learning to give your kids choices in the things that you want them to do is so important and it'll help them make decisions for themselves and know that, and they know that you trust them to make those decisions and they will learn to trust themselves. Number five, praise. It's often so much easier to criticize our kids when they make a mistake. Criticism tears kids down and can defeat them in their lowest moment. No one likes to be kicked when they are down, right? And we've all, we all can understand that. It is so important to take the higher road when it comes to our parenting. Model to them what it looks like to stay in control. Your best teaching moments will never come out of reacting in frustration or anger. So praise your kids when you notice they are handling life well. In this very moment, what is your child doing that is amazing? Praise them. Avoid praising by comparison. This is one from the book that, that really stuck out to me because I was doing basically what it said not to do. It said, um, comparing siblings and pointing out how much better they are at something only puts pressure on relationships and causes resentment. Ouch. So if you say, your sister can keep her room so clean, why can't you keep your room clean? Do you see how it creates a comparison, an unnecessary comparison, when all we really want is to teach one of our children how to clean up, or how to clean up a room? That's the problem that we need to solve. So we don't need to add comparison into the mix. If your child is talented, like let's say they're a really good singer and they were up on stage singing, notice if you say you are the best one up there. 
And this is, this can be problematic as well because it teaches our kids to compare themselves with other people and it teaches them to want that extrinsic motivation instead of intrinsic motivation. So if they can be the best one up there, that also means that they can be the worst one up there and they don't want that. So instead praise the sound of their voice, praise the bravery of being up on stage. Your brain gets a little more creative when it goes to praise and just say, instead of just saying, that was amazing, you were the best one up there. Create a feeling of confidence and the ability your child has to teach others about his skill, not feel better than anyone else because of it. So creating that, that feeling of confidence in your child will help them share that with other people. They have something, a skill that they can share with the world. Let's give them confidence to share it without being fearful that they won't be good enough. Number six, freeing children from roles. Your children will rise to the level of expectation you have for them. I love this. And so think of the labels that you give your, your children. I know that one label I've given mine is that they are a picky eater. And I would call them a picky eater. Um, maybe they're shy or nervous around the water. Well, if you label them that then that will only exacerbate those tendencies. So an alternative to this is to say, instead of my child is a picky eater, you can say, my child will try a new food when he is ready. Or another thing you can say is, it's okay to be nervous right now. You'll get the hang of it when you are ready. It's okay to be scared of the water. That is why we are at swim lessons. Oh my goodness, I remember swim lessons with my kids and when it was cold and they would just scream for the entire 30 minutes, they did all learn to swim. So if you're getting ready for summer and swim lessons, hang in there. All right, so it's so important to have confidence in our kids, this, this idea that we don't need to worry about them. We can just be confident in them. I'm not worried about you, but it's okay to be scared. I know, I know you can do it. You're validating their experience, but also giving them your confidence in them. I'm not worried about you. I know you'll be just fine. Sounds so comforting to a child. Avoid labeling your children as always doing something or they are always like this. Doing this makes them feel as if they won't ever be able to change. So you can allow them to feel their emotions and validate and understand all while holding to your expectations and avoid the labels. Okay, I love that. Number seven, and this is the most important one, and this is, did I say I had six? I'm, I'm gonna add a seventh one. This is the most important one. This is where coaching comes in, and that is be easy on yourself. We are all a work in progress. No one is perfect, but we get to keep trying every single day. It's a beautiful thing. We all get a new day to try again. And remember that love, we can create feelings from our thoughts, right? So choose and intentionally seek thoughts that help you feel loving. Feeling love feels so much better. You're still going to feel the anger, the frustration, the stress, the overwhelm. That'll still come. We're human. But try to feel love as much as you can. Love will always feel the best every single time. So when all else fails, decide what love feels like to you and your child and do that. What does, what would love do if, 
if I was in a loving place, what would I do if I wasn't angry? And I found that in my own experience with this, a lot of times I would be super patient and in just naturally my personality, I could, I could lovingly teach and be patient. But then I noticed, I think I had some hormonal issues and I would have like, Oh, a few days where I would notice that I cannot, I go from like zero to 60 on the anger scale. I couldn't handle even the littlest thing. It would just set me off. And over time I realized, oh my gosh, this must be hormonal because any other time this wouldn't have bothered me. But in this moment, I just went totally freak out mom on my kids. And so what I realized when I remembered self-care first, take care of me first, I thought, I just remember being so surprised, like I can take a break. I don't have to make dinner tonight. If I could feel this this hormonal change coming on. And I knew I was just needing a little more rest, a little more like patience, a little more like quiet. I could just take a break. I could just stop and go into my room and say, Hey, mom needs a timeout. Mom needs a break. I'm going to be in my room laying down. Even if my kids were upset, there was no dinner planned. It was okay. I was taking care of me and I could let my kids feel however they wanted about it. They were fine. They understood. They would rather have a mom take care of themselves than a mom who was freaking out and upset and mad and couldn't handle their life, right? So self-care is so important. Take care of yourself first so that you can then take care of your kids. So wherever you are at, whatever that looks like for you, take care of you. So sometimes this will mean taking a break, going into your room and shutting the door without saying a word. And that's what I started doing. And it made all of the difference. And my husband and my kids welcomed that. They didn't want me to be upset and stressed and overwhelmed. They wanted me to take care of them, of myself. And so it really was the best thing that I could do. And it was just so funny that I never really let myself do that before. I couldn't, I had dinner, I had kids to take places. I had to be the mom. Take a break if you need a break. All right. So. How can you be more loving to yourself and your kids? Love is patient. It is kind. How can you utilize those feelings with discipline and consequences and connection? And this is where as a coach, I never get in your action line. Sometimes I do just to be helpful, but this is where, this is the fun part. This is where you get to decide what you want to do, what works for you. There is no one, one size fits all with parenting. All of our kids are different. All of our family lives are different. We may have different values and things that are important to us. So this, your action line, which is what I teach in the model is for you to decide exactly what you want to do. And when you're feeling, cause your feelings drive your actions. And when your feelings are love and patience, motivation, determination to figure something out, which can also be uncomfortable, you will be able to know exactly what you need to do and how to parent your children. Okay. So those were the most important parts of the book that I thought, if you want to read more, go grab the book. It's so good. Um, just to recap, acknowledge feelings, engage cooperation, give choices, find alternatives to punishment, set your children up for success, encourage autonomy, let your children make their own choices. And even if it's the wrong choice, 
it's okay. They did it. Be proud of them for making a choice and know that they can, they can improve next time. It's okay. Give them lots of praise. Even if you feel like there's nothing you can praise them for, I promise you can find something. Free children from roles. Don't label them picky eater, shy. Just call it for what it is and know that they're figuring it out. They'll get the hang of it soon. And then take care of yourself. Practice that self-care. All right, so hopefully I've, I've convinced you to go read this book. Get the audio version of it if you want. I love popping in my AirPods and going grocery shopping or driving in my car and having something really good to listen to. And so if you're listening to this podcast, thank you so much. Please leave a review, rate this podcast. I have a really exciting treat for those who do. So if you rate my and review my podcast, send me an email or a DM letting me know that you did. And when my course is finished, which it will be in a few weeks, a month, I'm going to give it to you for free. If you rate and review my podcast, it will be worth three to $400. I'm really excited about it. And um, you will also be entered into a drawing for a $50 Amazon gift card. So I really want you to rate and review my podcast if it's helpful to you. If you like what you hear, if you want to hear more, I'm always up for ideas and topics you would like me to address. I think parenting teens is a privilege and I want you to enjoy it and love your teen. Have a good day, you guys. Thanks for listening to the Parenting in the Middle podcast. I am so grateful you're here. I'm excited to announce that my most requested training is available to you right now for free. Grab my how to avoid a power struggle with your teen over on my website, kristengoodmancoaching.com. Simply click on the here's how button and you'll be in. Interested in working with me one-on-one? I've got a four-week intro course to self-coaching that you won't want to miss. Find more info at kristengoodmancoaching.com forward slash self-coaching mastery. Thanks again for listening. Remember, you are the best parent for your teen. Talk to you soon.